What a song. Good singing this morning. We're going to take our Bibles. I'm going to give you a few minutes to find it. Habakkuk is where we're going to be today. And yes, that is in the Bible, okay? Habakkuk, towards the end of the Old Testament. And we're going to look at this passage this morning. Does anyone need an outline? Everyone got one? Everyone good? I think everyone's good. Cruz did a good job back there. So Habakkuk, and we're going to look at probably all three chapters just a little bit to give you some context of where we are going with the last three verses. Now, the book of Habakkuk is uh, it's Hebrew poetry, but you see it's written in English for us, so you can't quite tell the poetry as easy, but it's Hebrew poetry. And it's very interesting as we get to this book today. For the next couple of weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, next week I'm going to preach just about being thankful. The Bible tells us that in everything we are to give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The Bible says in everything, not just some things, in everything. You say, well, how am I supposed to thank God for everything? Because everything isn't always good. Duh. Everything is not always good. I think we realize that this morning. This is what we're going to learn today and what we're going to see. We don't thank God based on what he does for us. We thank God based on who he is. That's a lesson that every Christian needs to learn. We don't thank God based on what he's done for us this week. We thank him based on who he is. In 1620, 102 pilgrims sailed here. And when they got here, You think about the starvation, disease, the cold weather. um, It was how many of them? 56 of them died. In 1621, 46 pilgrims and 91 Indians met together to give thanks to God for the bountiful harvest that he had given them. And when we think about that, they had every reason to be discouraged or to be depressed, but they thanked God anyways. We get to the book of Habakkuk, and it's a small book, not a whole lot to it, and probably you don't know. How many, anybody in the room say you know a lot about the book of Habakkuk? Could you just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you, okay? I'm not going to make you answer me any questions. Say you know a lot about the book. It's one of the minor prophets that are small. At the end of the day, I get it. I'm going to teach you quite a bit about the book today, because we're only looking at the last three verses, but if we just looked at the last three verses and you don't understand the rest of the book, There's no point in getting to the last three verses. Habakkuk was written shortly before Israel was taken captive by Babylon. And so we look at chapter number one, verse number one. The Bible tells us here, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. So God lays out before Habakkuk the fact that Babylon's going to come in and they're going to wipe out the city. They're going to destroy the temple Jerusalem's going to be in waste by the time this is done. So the book of Habakkuk, when we think about this, Jehoiakim was king during this time. Jehoiakim, we think about Josiah, had turned everything back toward God. Jehoiakim had turned back to serving idols, false idols. So, So Judah was deeped in idolatry, and they got away from God, and God was getting ready to judge Judah. And Habakkuk, his the book here, he's having a hard time understanding why God is going to judge Israel through 
the Babylonians. So basically, the first two chapters is just a conversation between Habakkuk and God. And you have Habakkuk asking God, God, why? And God responding. Then you have Habakkuk again, God, but why? And then you have God responding. That's how this book is set up. I want you to see with me, and I want you to see a few of these things. So let's start with this dialogue, and all this is introduction. You don't have any of this in your notes. This is to give you a better understanding of the book for the time we get to our text at the end. So Habakkuk 1, look at verse number 2. We see some questions here, and we see Habakkuk talking to God, Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and they are that rise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Lord, back is asking, why do you tolerate wickedness? Why? Then look at what God's response is in verse number five. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your day which ye would not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land, to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. You have Habakkuk, God, why do you tolerate the wicked? And God's like, just hold on, Habakkuk. I work in ways that you don't even see. And I'm going to tell you something that you're totally not going to understand or see how it's going to work, but I'm going to use the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, destroy my people and punish them. But I'm working it all out but you wouldn't even believe it if I were to tell you all the details. We see Habakkuk goes back to God and asks him another question. Look at verse number 12. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, mine holy one? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment, O mighty God. Thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. And canst not look on iniquity, wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously? How can you look at Babel on that wicked city? You can't even look at evil. And how are you going to use them to punish your people? That's what he's saying right here. And keep on reading, it says, And holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more mighty than he? Like, I don't get it. You're going to, why would you save Babylon, that wicked wicked city, and destroy your people. We're much better than they are. Isn't it amazing how we all think that? We're all the same, okay? We're all a mess. Let's just remember that. But he's like, why would you do that? You can't even look on sin, but you're going to use them to punish your people. Then look at God's response. Look at chapter number 2 and verse number 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. 
Now, when we were in Romans the other night in church, this is where that passage, the just shall live by faith, that Paul pens comes from Habakkuk right here. You'll notice something interesting. What the Lord tells him is Babylon's going to fall too, but not right now. I'm using Babylon to teach my people a lesson. But Babylon is lifted up in pride in themselves, and woe unto Babylon. The rest of chapter number two gives us several things that tell us the woes and how Babylon's going to get judged. So we see a conversation just going back and forth between Habakkuk and God. We look at the last verse of chapter number two, and look what it says. But God is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. What is it saying here? Hey, God is in control even when it doesn't seem like it. God's in control when the wicked prosper, and God's in control when God's people don't understand. So that's what the first two chapters of Habakkuk cover, which leads us to chapter number three. Look at verse number one. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, and then you have the entire chapter of him praying to God. We're going to skip down to verse 17 through verse 19, and that's going to be the message this morning. So that was all background to get you to where we are for today. Look at verse number 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the oil shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Look at verse number 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon high places to the chief singers on my stringed instruments. Father, I pray that you bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. We need you. We love you. I pray that you just help us get the message this morning and be able to apply it to our lives and to be able to use it this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Habakkuk is a lot like Job. He argues his case, and then in the end, he praises God anyways. When we look at this and we look at this passage, he ends up with words of thanksgiving and praise to God for who God is and the unchanging benefits that belong to those who know God. Habakkuk had reason to fret, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed And yet he found a way to thank God anyways. There are two key words used in verse 17 through 19. Although is the first one. You look and although there's going to be no crops. You know, for Israel, the olives were very important. The grapes, all these different things. Although there'll be no crops, although there'll be no meat, all those things. Although, and then the second key word is yet. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. What is Habakkuk saying? I surely don't understand what all's happening, but I'm going to thank God anyways. Title my message very simply this morning is Thank God Anyways. I want to take these verses, and regardless of how things are going in your life today, you can still rejoice and thank God anyways. 
2020 has been a crazy year, to say the least. The craziest of my 35 by far this year gets wins. It's been a crazy year. Viruses, lockdowns, economy all over the place, and then it goes up and down, virus rears its head in places again. Then an election comes and the virus dies out for a week and you have people protesting or celebrating on streets. And then a week after that, no, stop doing that. We can't do that. And it's been a crazy year. But you can thank God in 2020 because our thankfulness is not based on what happens because things are going to change. Life changes. Nothing is the same, nor will it ever be the same. Life changes. But God never changes. He's always constant. I want to give you three points this morning. We'll be on our way. Number one this morning, thank God his sovereignty never changes. Thank God this morning that his sovereignty never changes. And Habakkuk says, although the fig tree and all these things, and that we're not going to have any flocks and all of this stuff, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Circumstances change, but church, may I remind you this morning, our God does not change. Malachi 3, verse number 6, the Bible tells us, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. The Bible tells us in James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Look at this. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What's that telling us? God doesn't change. Circumstances change, but God never does. See, for the children of Israel, let's go into Egypt in the Old Testament. They had seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. God was still God in the midst of all that time. The children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, and he led them across the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. He was the same God the entire time that that happened. The same God who was God when David was king of Israel is the same God who was God when Jehoiakim was king in Israel or when Nebuchadnezzar came in and conquered Jerusalem. The same God who brought Jesus into this world was the same God when they tried to take Jesus out. The same God who was there when the when the church was being persecuted, the same God that helped the church spread every place all around the world. God doesn't change. This world changes. It has changed a lot, but God doesn't change, and you can rest in that this morning. You might not be able to rejoice in your circumstances or your situation today, but you can rejoice in our sovereign God and know that he is in absolute control of everything. What Habakkuk saw it was kind of a bleak outlook on things. But even though it was a bleak outlook, he could look to the God who was always the same. I love, you look in verse number 18 there, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is all capital there. That's Jehovah God. When we think about Jehovah God, the self-existent, eternal, changeless, changeless covenant-keeping God, the great I Am that was spoken to Moses at the burning bush that wasn't burned. He's the one that we can depend on in desperate times. He's the one we can trust in troublesome times. He's the one that we can believe in during unbelievable times. We can lean on him at all times. Thank God this morning his sovereignty never changes. 
We may not understand what God is doing, but the Bible tells in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You're not going to always understand, and when you don't understand what he's doing, what you got to understand is he will always do what is right. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. And this is when Abraham was, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. Thou shalt be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And God always does what's right. This was, this was Abraham talking to God before he was judging Sodom and Gomorrah. You say, you might not understand God's plan this morning, but we can trust him to have the best plan. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That was written for Israel. That was written before Babylon was coming in. God's thoughts were not evil towards them. He was helping them get where they need to be. And Christian, it's the same for you today. And say, well, I don't understand why this has happened in my life. God knows how he thinks towards you. It's thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. And that's how we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, Romans 8, 28. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You'll notice the phrase there, all things work together for good. Not some things, all things. And it says they work together for good. doesn't mean all things are good. Some people miss that in the verse. The Bible doesn't say all things work together for good. All things are good. No, they work together for good. So that means God has to take some bad and use these different things, and he works them all together for good. Don't, don't, don't mistake the verse right there. Was it good for Jerusalem to be destroyed? No. Was it good for the temple to be destroyed? Was it good for God's people to suffer? Was that good for them? No. But it needed to be done, and God worked it together for good. It's a very important thing to remember. No matter how things may appear, church, God is still in control, and he still knows what's best, and he still knows what's right. That's why Paul said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Look at these verses, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, rejoice evermore. How am I supposed to rejoice with what's going on? Paul says it right here. And Paul wasn't on, in a beach house on vacation when he penned these words. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God's will is for us to do those things. But how are we going to do it when we realize that our sovereign never changes? Our circumstances change. Life changes. But God does not change. We don't rejoice. We don't give thanks for what he's doing specifically always in circumstances. We give thanks for who he is. Don't ever forget that. Number two this morning, 
Thank God his salvation never ceases. Things might get bad in this life, but guess what? But things do not affect my salvation. We read the rest of verse number 18. The beginning says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Salvation doesn't depend on how well things are going. And aren't you grateful for that this morning? Salvation rests solely on the grace and the power of God. Life is uncertain at best. You realize you're one phone call away from a doctor from things changing drastically in your life, each and every one of us. Everything can change, but guess what? Your salvation is eternal. It doesn't change. The word salvation not only refers to our salvation from going to, it also refers to deliverance and rescue. And it reminds me of the fact that this world's not my home, and he's coming to rescue and deliver his children someday. You know, we look around us today, and we say, things are getting bad, and they're getting worse. I hate to be the bearer of bad news this morning. It's only going to get worse until he comes. It's only going to get worse. I hate to be the bearer of bad news to you this morning. It's only going to get worse. I hear people, some of you people crack me up in this room, first service, second service. I get so much stuff sent to me, conspiracy things, this or that, and it's amazing the stuff I get sent. You know, and I see it, people send me all these things, and some of you are thinking he's talking about me. Now, the person who sent me what I'm talking about right now isn't even sitting in the service this morning, but it's okay. You keep sending me your stuff, and I do, I do look at it, and so I'm not going to be preaching about aliens anytime soon in a message. We'll leave that one out. But one of the things is that with the way our country's going and the way the world with everything, they're setting it up for a one-world government. And you can kind of see that with different things. And so this was a long, you said, was it a conspiracy? Was it truth? I don't know. We'll see what happens. But do you realize for the Lord to come, there will be a one-world government. There will be a one-world currency, you know, coin, coin shortage. COVID, they quit making coins, right? I don't know what happened with all of it. So are you saying that that's ushering in? I'm not saying that at all, but what I'm saying is things are going to get worse. It is. And the Lord's going to come and thank God for that. And Christian, you got to remember this morning that this world's not our home. We're just passing through. The Bible tells in Philippians 3, verse number 20, for our conversation, our lifestyle, it's in heaven. That's where we, that's why there's times where I just don't feel like I fit in this world anymore. And Christian, you really don't fit in this world. Because this world, you look around, you think about how people think. They think strangely on a lot of things. In fact, they don't even think soundly on a lot of things. And I'm not going to get deep into that this morning. But our world's losing it. But they never had it to begin with. We're not of this world. And when you start fitting in with this world, you need to start looking at your Christianity. And I could talk more about that, but we'll do that another time. This world's getting worse, but guess what? We're headed to a far better place. A place where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more grieving, no more viruses, no more death, no more crying, where Jesus is the leader, where he is the light where it's all perfect, where there's no more sin, there's no more evil, where everything is made new. That's where we're headed. And this world, yes, things are getting bad, but heaven hasn't changed. 
It's better and it's better and we get to be there someday. And praise God, the good news is that, yeah, we've this world, we've lived here, it's beautiful, but the best is yet to come. And don't lose sight of that this morning. Thank God His salvation never ceases. Things may get bad here, but things cannot take your salvation away today. Things may get bad here, but things can't take your salvation away. Is that letter A or is that B? Hey, in my notes, I added that for you guys, so there was an A and a B to keep you going, but I didn't add in my notes the A and the B. So last service afterwards, Joe's like, you missed A and B. Well, it's in my notes, it's just not A and B, so you just got to catch on. I'm just making sure you're awake with me this morning. Things can get bad here, but things cannot take away our salvation. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? The Bible tells in John 10, verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, that they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. The Bible tells in Hebrews 13, verse number 5, that let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, look at the end of this verse, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Yeah, things might get bad here on earth, but he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And praise God for that this morning. And praise God that God's children are saved, as it says in Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able to save also, to save them to the uttermost. We're saved to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Praise God for that this morning. Being saved to the uttermost means that you're saved as much as you can be, and there's nothing you do to get any more saved than what you already are. You may lose everything here, but I can't lose him or what he has given to me. Church, don't forget that. I may lose everything here, but I can't lose him or what he's given to me. Praise God for that. God's salvation never ceases. Therefore, we can be thankful today. I said, number one, this morning, thank God His sovereignty never changes. Number two, thank God His salvation never ceases. Number three, and lastly, this morning, thank God His strength never collapses. Thank God His strength never collapses. Look at verse number 19. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds' feet, and He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singers on my stringed instruments. The Lord is my strength. The word strength means ability. Guess what, church, this morning? Our strength does not lie within ourselves. The Lord is our strength. Don't ever forget that. Our strength doesn't lie within us. You can be thankful today because his strength, it never ends. Our strength doesn't lie within us, but the Lord is our strength. The Bible tells us in Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and he's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Look at the rest of the verse. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 40.31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Hey, church, when you're unable to stand, he enables us. When you just can't go on, hey, he helps us. 
When you're in a deep, dark valley, he leads you to higher ground. It's his strength this morning. And thank God that his strength is made perfect in weakness, as the Bible tells us. That verse says, the Lord God is my strength. It says, and he will make my feet like hinds feet. Speaks of grace, agility, and swiftness. A while back, I was hiking up in Mount Baldy. And I came around this corner, and there was a deer right there. I think he scared me, and I think I scared him. I think we scared each other. That deer, that deer just looked at me, and I had to stay on the trail. He jumped off the trail and went all the way down the hill himself. Look at what that verse says. The Lord God is my strength, and he'll make my feet like hinds feet. He will make me to walk upon mine high places. High places speaks of mountaintops where the deers aren't in danger of everything else from below. When I lived in Montana, I lived there for three years. I went hunting. Okay, let me rephrase that this morning. I carried my gun through the forest, okay? We'll be honest, okay? I carried my gun through the forest. And I remember we started climbing up this hill, and the, and the guy's like, we got to keep going higher and higher. And I'm like, why are we going to go higher? This is hard enough where it's at. We, a couple miles, we were at the, top of the, we were at, the, at the top of the mountain. One of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen. Because it's kind of, it clears up at the top of the mountain just a little bit. It's not so covered with trees and all the brush. It's more open up there. I had two thoughts. The first thought was this, wow, this is absolutely beautiful. Second thought is, if I shoot something up here, I got to take it down with me from what I just climbed. And why in the world would I do that? And so I didn't shoot anything. The best hunting I ever do is going to the grocery store, and you get a good deal on ground meat that way. That's the best way to do it. And so take my word. I'm a California boy. I helped someone clean out their deer, and that was the craziest thing I think I've ever done in my life. And I'm still scarred from it. And um, grocery store, much easier. The meat's already cut. You just get it and pray for a good sale when you go into Stater Brothers or wherever you go for your meat. But the Bible says here, the Lord God's my strength, and he'll make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon my high places. Think about this. Habakkuk's telling us that God enabled him to rise above his circumstances and that God gave him the strength to stand above the battle to see what was going on. When we are up on top of that mountain, you could see everything in the valley. When you fly on an airplane, not one of my favorite things to do. I love the ground. The Bible does say, lo, I am with you always. That's Bible. Lo, I am with you. It says, I guess in the sky I'm a little closer to him, but whatever. He's everywhere anyways. But ever take off in a, in a storm? It's amazing. You go through the clouds, and then there's blue sky above those clouds. It's a great lesson in that. Many of us as Christians, we live in the storm. As the rain comes, the thunder, the lightning, we live in the storm. And what this verse is saying, Habakkuk is saying, the Lord's my strength. He makes it so I can rise above that storm and see the blue sky above. We got to quit living in the storm and live above it with our view. Because this is what happens when we live in the storm. We're clouded by it. Everything's affected by it. 
when you can rise above your storm and see, wow, there's still blue sky up here. God's still in control. God's still good in the midst of all these things. He get, what is he saying here? God turns my doubt into shouts, and he gives me peace in the midst of my problems. That's what God did for Job. Bible tells us in Job 1, verse 20 and 21, you think about this, Job lost all his children, lost all his wealth, his own health. Look what the Bible says, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell upon the ground and he worshiped God. Look what he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So how could he say that? Because he was able to look above his problems to God. The same thing that Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Look what, look what the Lord told Paul. My strength is made perfect in weakness. If God could do it for Job and for Paul, God can do it for you this morning. God enables his children to stand when their own strength fails. Therefore, we can thank God no matter what's going on in life. You see, in trials, Habakkuk learned a valuable lesson. He learned a lesson that all of God's children need to learn. He learned that God is both our salvation and he's our song. Hey, Habakkuk learned he had nothing to fear what was coming towards Israel. But he had real reason to be thankful no matter what came their way. You see, Christian, this morning, if you're saved, you possess every reason to be thankful that Habakkuk possessed. Regardless of what you are facing in your life today, get your eyes on him. You see, Israel is about to be destroyed, and we have Habakkuk, God, why, are you gonna, why do you tolerate the wicked? Why do you put up with Babylon? And God says, you don't even want to know, Habakkuk. If I were to tell you what I'm going to use them to do to, to Jerusalem, you're not going to understand it, but I'm working. God, why would, you can't even look on sin. Why would you tolerate and use them to punish your people? God tells him again, you're not going to understand it. You're not. I'm doing, I'm working my will. I've got everything under control. And don't worry, they're going to get judgment on them. Just live your life by faith and trust me. You're going to be all right. Christian, after all the Lord has done for you, no matter where you are today, will you just trust him? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, and just to know, thus saith the Lord. Just trust him. And what did Habakkuk decide? Although our crops are going to be gone, although the city is going to be destroyed, although there will be no cattle, although all these things, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will joy and the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. You see, he learned. You don't thank God based on your circumstances in life. We thank God based on who he is. 
And in 2020, this year might not have gone the way that you think or thought it would go, but God should still be thanked for all that he's done and who he is. And we as the people of God need to rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. And how do we do that? By realizing we can't control circumstances, he does. We trust him and we thank him for who he is. And though we might be going through a storm, he's the one going to help you out. Thank him this morning. Father,